0: Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Baresen.
1: And I'm Khadija Booth-Watkins.
0: And today we're going to talk about uh, the first part of a, a two-part series on back-to-school challenges. You know, while some kids and, and teens have had some form of hybrid learning or even full in-person learning, many more kids have been doing the majority or all of their school remotely. Uh, but there are growing concerns about the mental impact of kids learning remotely for so long and growing efforts to find ways to get kids back to in-person learning even in the middle of the pandemic and just last Friday the Center for Disease Control and Prevention the CDC released new more detailed guidelines to help schools know what measures are needed to bring kids back to school safely and now almost a year after much of the country uh, shut down in response to the pandemic, many communities are finally finding ways to bring kids back to school in person. Going back to school in person, though comes with its own concerns and a host of new anxieties for kids, teachers, and parents as they prepare to do this. Um, It's a real dilemma. So Khadijah, what are some of the major concerns you've seen coming up for kids and teens about going back to school in person, you know, in your, in your practices and in the question and answers, you know, you've received from, from your, your, your patients.
1: Um, So, so once earth reopens, returning to school is going to be extremely difficult for, for kids and adolescents, but I think the challenge is going to be a little bit differently, different, excuse me. And what I've seen um, is more so of a struggle worrying about how they're gonna fit in. Um, a lot of my kids that I, that I work with who have social anxiety you know, have done really well at home um, because the expectations and pressures uh, that, that come from the, the social aspects, aspect of school is, is not there. So they are really worried about returning to school. And then surprisingly, I have kids who never had struggles going to school who are also now a little bit hesitant about going back to school almost like a secondary uh, separation anxiety we've created by having them home for so long. Um, Those are the two biggest things that I see with my younger kids. The older older adolescents, I think by far and large are mostly looking forward to going to school. And I think different from children, they're so much more peer oriented and being apart from their peers has been a real challenge around um, feeling lonely, feeling connected, you know, just engaging in things they usually do, you know, together as a group. And I think, you know, that camaraderie and that group dynamic is really important to adolescents differently than it is for for children. Have you seen other things or different things in your practice? No,
0: I've seen similar things. I think the teenagers have been uh, much more depressed um, and eager to get back to school. But, um, uh, but one thing I want to do, to which, which resonates with what I've seen in my practice, um, I'd like to uh, uh, read a quote um, uh, uh, on struggles for students, teachers, and parents, which was published February 5th. Um, I believe this was in Teen Vogue. Quote, online school is really individual, which can make classes that I struggle in much harder because I don't have the opportunity to ask classmates for help or study up to school with people. It isolates you, which is mostly a negative experience. I feel like I'm missing out on any semblance of a high school experience, and although my school tries to do virtual events, it's really not the same. You know, and that's Gina, who's an 11th grader in Richmond, Virginia, but at the same time, uh, Gina says, quote, I'm not willing to risk my health and the health of my grandmother who lives with me for school and I don't think school would be a conducive environment to learning if I feel anxious all the time. So, you know, that has been a common theme and that is is um you know, I really want to go back. I really feel safe. I think that it's probably better for my learning. I think it's kids probably don't get as sick as older people. What, what am I, what am I going to be bringing home with me, you know? Uh, and so, even though I'm depressed and anxious, and I'd love to get back, I'm worried about a lot of other things. Uh, so that's one thing. And, and you know, you mentioned, um, uh, uh, will I fit in? I've also heard from a number of my kids. Both school-age kids and teenagers is um, I get so distracted from remote learning and being at home. I'm not keeping up with the work. Will I be able to catch up? Um, and how will I be able to catch up? Um, and if I go back to school, will there be people to help me there? And especially kids that have learning uh, problems uh, who are really far behind. Um, they're worried about, I think, not I think, I, don't, I know from, from what they're telling me is, um, h- how will I catch up? Nobody can help me at home and my being socially distant at school won't help me either. So what's, what's going to happen? How will I make up this work?
1: Because a lot of these kids who, who struggled academically had a lot of accommodations in school that, like you said, didn't transfer over to home. Those accommodations weren't modified to support uh, remote learning. And so those kids are really worried about falling further and further behind um, and not being adequately supported at home and worried about what it's going to look like when they go back to school.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, just to take off on what you were saying before about uh, uh, kids wondering if they'll fit in, um, another theme that I've heard is, particularly from school age kids. Is um, uh, will the kid Will my friends still like me? <laughs> you know, I haven't seen them for so long, um, and now I'm going to see them with masks on and everything. But will they like me? Um, and and uh, and how will I make friends with them again? How will I play with them again? What will that What will that look like? You know, when we have to be at least six feet apart.
1: So I imagine those school aged kids are not on all of these virtual platforms that the teenagers are on, that they're, you know, somewhat staying connected. So those kids the, the, the school aged kids are probably struggling with that a lot more, I would imagine.
0: Yeah. And they're also they and, and and given the fact that they're not on the, the platform as much, uh, many of them are worried about like most school aged kids, structure. Like what's the routine gonna be? Like a lot of the teenagers that I see, they know, oh, today's Monday. I'm at school tomorrow is an asynchronous day you know i think this is the first time i've heard asynchronous learning (laughs) (laughs) but 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 they'll say that i just like oh tomorrow's an asynchronous day and i said what does that mean well i just look at my calendar and i have all this work to do the school-age kids
1: that's when they take away the snow day and make it an asynchronous day
0: right right (laughs) if they take away a snow day which they should um, and we should have another one this week. Um, but you know, but, but school-age kids need structure, and I think a lot of them feel that they've missed the structure of you know, the bell ringing and the class changes, and they know exactly where else to go, and they don't have that at home, especially if their parents are not around, if they're essential workers or if they're not on top of the schedule. You know, the structure and the routine is missing, and they're really worried if they go back to school uh, will they be able to understand what a hybrid structure actually is? They hear that word, but I'm not sure they, un- they fully understand what it's going to mean.
1: Even if the parents are at home, it's really hard for them to really, you know, enforce a structure if they're working from home. So that they're, they're focused on their job and what, what their, you know, obligations are for work. It really becomes difficult to really maintain a structure that, that some of the younger kids need.
0: So, yeah, school age kids have these problems. So what have you seen uh, in teenagers, besides the ones that have anxiety problems? What are some of the typical worries that you see in, in teenagers?
1: I mean, again, going back to this is the stage where they're trying to figure out who they are apart from their parents. This is the stage where, you know, parents know nothing and all of their friends are the experts. Um, and so I think they are really struggling with not being able to have that sort of connection and contact with their friends, who have a greater influence as an adolescent versus as, a, as an adolescent versus a child. Um, so I think I hear a lot of kind of feeling isolated and loneliness, especially the, those adolescents who are really adhering to the safe practices and guidelines. Um, I hear a lot of worries about the future? Um, how am I going to stand apart? How am I going to look different? Because no one's taking these standardized tests anymore. You know, Grades maybe or maybe not, but I think they are, the feeling is that grades are not really holding as much weight as they did because the, the, the rigor has been decreased a little bit because we're in a pandemic a health crisis. Um, and so how am I going to look different? I'm not playing sports. I'm not doing extra, uh, extra, extracurricular activities. What's going to make my application stand out from someone else?
0: yeah i've I've heard that one I've heard that one too um and I've heard some others say, You know, I may not go to college, I may take a year off because I don't want to go to college if this is happening in the fall. you know I've got a brother or a sister in college, and they're miserable because they're not really getting a good college experience, but will I be able to get a job because there's such major unemployment right now um there's so much uncertainty I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. And others <laughs> are worried about the stress their parents are feeling. Because a lot of these kids, you know, the parents are, ex- have, they, or they tell me, well, my parents have this expectation that I'm going to go to college or that I'm going to get a job or that I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. And my parents are so stressed out. They're stressing me out with their stress. I mean, it's kind of like everybody's stress, <laughs> and it feeds on itself. Right. it feeds on itself.
1: Well, I think with with respect to picking a job and 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 picking a college, this this notion of virtual visits, you know, whether it's virtual interviews for jobs or virtual campus visits, it's just not a replacement for the real thing. And I think there's a lot of uncertainty if if a if a child or kid is choosing to go to college or choosing to go into the workforce feeling like they've made the right choice, feeling confident that they're going to feel comfortable in the place that they've picked that they've seen only over a screen.
0: Yeah. Uh, an- another thing I've heard uh, both from teenagers and from college students, and we'll talk more about college students uh, in the next uh, part is um, I see other kids breaking the rules, going to houses, having parties, having parties, hanging out with each other, you know, watching TV, watching movies, using substances. And, you know, the ones that are trying to kind of play by the rules and keep themselves and everybody else safe, or the ones that understand that our major job right now is to kind of like shut this thing down, you know, uh, are really upset and angry at the kids that are breaking the rules. Because they're going to be causing potential harm for everybody. And, like, who am I to kind of speak out and say, like, why aren't you wearing a mask? Or why are you hanging out with these other kids? Have
1: you heard like that? The COVID police, they don't want to be the COVID police.
0: Right. That's it's not gonna, the, It's not their job.
1: Not their job. It's going to make them feel probably alienated from their peers who... Are not following the rules because they don't want to follow the rules and you reminding them of the rules is only going to create drama, I imagine. Um, and they don't want to be put in that predicament. They, they, they want to try to bond with their peers and, and build connections. And,
0: yeah. So we see a lot of worries. So since a lot of our listeners are parents, caregivers, uh, teachers, um, if a kid's having trouble with anxiety, depression, loneliness, stress, um, what should what should the adults be looking for? So, for example, for for school age kids, what, what 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 would be an indicator? What would be indicators that things are going wrong?
1: So, you want to really look for changes in their normal way of functioning, their 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 normal routines, their 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 baseline. So, they might start having problems sleeping when they were once good sleepers, or they might just dis- Start, you know, losing their appetite, and you find that they're eating less and less when they maybe before they were pretty good eaters. Um, they they might seem distracted or feeling like they are um, disconnected, um, and they might just outwardly express that I don't I don't feel safe or I'm worried. Uh, what's going to happen? And a whole lot of what if questions. So those are some some pretty common signs to look for, um, and that I've heard a lot and. and In the with the kids and families that I've worked with, I'm sure there are others. Jane, Uh, what other ones would you say to look for for kids?
0: Well, for school age kids, I think um, restlessness, fidgetiness, bouts of crying, uh, sometimes physical complaints like headaches, stomach aches, chest pain, um, troubles with sleep, um, with you know basic daily you know activities.
1: And so teens will look a little bit different. And with teens, you might see uh, more irritability, depression, sadness. They they will look anxious, distracted, and they they might even be withdrawn. They they uh, they often also are much more aware of the dangers, and so they might also express you know concern of, of again of their their health and safety, you know the health and safety of their family members, um, and because they are often missing out on so much that they, they will be dealing with and expressing a lot of loss, uh, whether it's loss from uh, becoming more independent because they, they have to be home longer, loss of you know maybe not having a graduation, loss of uh, so many different losses, um, not being able to, to kind of continue in the sport that they were doing for the past four years, um, so that that brings a lot of sadness and grief.
0: Yeah. And speaking of sadness and grief, I think one thing that we can't forget um, are uh, suicidal thoughts. Uh, and um, again, I'd like to quote um, uh, a teenager, an 11th grader from uh, WBEZ Chicago news story. Um, and this is from uh, a gal named Paige. Uh, quote, I think that all the hope and the life has been drained out of me and my peers, and really the teachers too, I think. That's very apparent in my grades and my commitment to my classes. It's a sign of hopelessness. And one one pitch that we continue to make from the Clay Center is don't worry about asking about suicidal thoughts. Uh, they're common um, in the youth risk behavior survey that the CDC puts out every two years, about 20,000 students. um, It's been fairly consistent that even outside of a pandemic, about anywhere from 15 to 20% of 9th to 10th to 12th graders will seriously contemplate suicide and suicidal thinking has increased uh, during the pandemic. And all of the research shows that there's actual relief by asking Have you felt so bad that you thought of giving up? Have you thought so bad that you've thought about hurting yourself uh, or even killing yourself? And um, uh, when you're asking about suicide as a parent, uh, three things to remember. There's suicidal thinking, there's suicidal intent, and there's a suicidal plan. We don't expect you to be clinicians. But if someone has thoughts of suicide and they admit it, that's a good thing because I guarantee you, we've all had that thought <laughs> one time or another. Um, it's different to have an intent, intention or a plan. So be sure to ask those questions. Uh, and, and now, speaking of parents, in your clinical practice, Kadisha, so what, what can parents, caregivers, teachers do to help school age kids and teenagers, what are some of the things that the adults in their lives can actually do?
1: I think common to both kids and teenagers is the, the fact that they're looking to us and they're, they're looking to us to keep them safe. And so we have to show them through our, our body language and in our, in our words that we are gonna keep them safe. Um. Even the even the adolescents who think we know nothing, they're also looking to us to to and feeding off of our energy. So we have to manage our own anxiety, our own frustration, which means ultimately we have to take care of ourselves as 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 the as the adults. We have to make sure that we make time to take care of ourselves so that we can be there for for the kids that we are going to keep safe. Um, that's usually the first thing and the biggest thing that I, that I spend time on talking. Talking to parents about it—it's about taking care of themselves so that they can take care of their kids.
0: And all the research shows that um, anxiety and stress in parents is contagious, and the kids will pick up on it. And um, you can't reassure them that they're going to be safe or well taken care of if they see that you're depressed, anxious. So you got to take care of yourself. And if you are stressed out, admit it, and have a discussion. About how we could all take care of ourselves.
1: It's quite destabilizing for a kid to feel like the parent is not going to be able to keep them safe or take care of them. So, you know that that is just that's that's where you have to start. Um, I think the other big thing is really just listening to the kids. Kids will tell you what what they're thinking, what they're feeling, um, and if you have. Uh, a youngster, kind of like mine, doesn't say much. You know, you ask questions, but but most of the time, kids will tell you what they're thinking.
0: Yeah. Uh, another thing I think that's super important, uh, particularly in this time about going back to school, is for parents to uh, keep informed about the changes in your own neighborhood and community, in your own school. Be in touch with your teachers. Be in touch with the uh, uh, with the with school planning. Uh, collaborate with teachers and with other parents and, and keep up to date with information uh, so that you can um, you can know what the plans are and you can structure your home environment and your school planning uh, to, to kind of fit in with what else is going on around you.
1: And I think it's so key what you said is in keeping up with other parents and, and teachers because we don't have to do this alone. We're, we're not the only ones going through this process and it, it feels so much better to go through it with, with other parents and, and that, are, that, are, that have kids similar age. Um, so you can share ideas, you can share frustration, you can share anxieties, um, so that you can, again, be the person that your kids look to and feel confident that you're gonna keep them safe.
0: Yeah, and I would also remind them that this is an evolution, uh, that there's a lot of uncertainty we don't. This is a not. The reason they call this a novel virus is because <laughs> we've never, at least in our own lifetime, seen anything like this before. So we we really don't know what's going to happen. We have a good plan. Uh, they're good. They're good. Federal, state, and local plans for sure. But what the evolution is going to be could shift and change. So to remind. Uh, ourselves and our kids that it's a moving target, but that we're gonna stay on top of things.
1: So Jean, how do we know when we have exhausted all that we can do in terms of supporting our kids at home? Like, how do we know when we need to um, take another step?
0: Well, uh, if, if, if we feel really, really stuck, and we see our kids suffering, um, I think that's the time to uh, get professional help for ourselves and for our our kids and families. Um, There are plenty of resources, especially with uh, telepsychiatry, as we've seen in another podcast with with Dr. Wozniak. Uh, There's a lot of services that are available. There are hotlines. There are all kinds of resources that are out there and I think, um, uh, and, and, and you know- uh, In the case he-
1: center, we're here.
0: Yeah, that's right, that's right. We're here, we've got, a, we've got a COVID page. We've got a lot of stuff translated into Spanish as, as well as in English. And there are tons of resources that we can turn to, to, uh, to seek help. And I think we need to keep our finger on the pulse. You, you know, you mentioned before, a really key thing about listening But we need to have frequent conversations with our partners, friends, family, spiritual leaders, and our kids and teachers. Uh, This is a real community effort and frequent conversations are really very important. Another thing I think that's really important is, this is is a tough one, uh, but that is to focus on the positive. There's a lot to be said to focusing on the silver linings because, um, you know, I say to some of my my patients, you know, have you ever heard this phrase, out of the ashes rises the phoenix? And they go, no, what, (laughs) what, (laughs) what do you mean the phoenix? This isn't Arizona. I mean, or they'll, and I said, well, let me let me explain. You know, sometimes, not just sometimes, but in most cases in the history of our planet, uh, good things have come out of bad and hard times. And If you think of the history of the United States, a lot of good things have come out of some of our worst periods. And this is a bad one. Um, and so what we need to do is focus on what we've taken for granted, what we can learn from this, how we can prevent things like this from happening again, how we can rely on science, for example, um, and um, and 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 keep upbeat. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that whole notion of just the mindfulness and and focusing on gratitude and and really trying to change the perspective. Uh, There's been a lot of negative things that have happened over the course of this year, and there's been some things that were positive. So really alter or changing our perspective, choosing to look at things in a different way is incredibly helpful in in managing our mood, managing our anxiety, and and helping our kids to do the same thing will be incredibly important, being able to model it and teach it it to them as well.
0: Yeah, well, we'll all learn something from this, that's for sure. you know, um, as as we kind of come to a close of this story, that's not nearly over. Um, I forgot in the intro uh, to ask you how your week was.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for asking. My week was uh, my week was good. I, I feel fortunate. I got my second dose of my vaccine, so I feel incredibly fortunate to to have the opportunity to to do that. And so, you know. A little tired, you know, for a couple of days afterwards, but I have it and looking forward to what's next. How about you? What about your week?
0: Well, I got my second dose (laughs) (laughs) and I feel grateful. Um, But I did get fatigued. Um, uh, And that was the major, the major problem for me is like not realizing how tired. It, it made me that, yeah, that
1: the, the first couple of days I was like, is this me being tired or is it the vaccine being tired? Like I know I've been working a lot, but it was definitely the vaccine. I yeah. was wiped out.
0: Well, I, I made, I made the, the error of, of getting on the bike yesterday <laughs> <laughs> and realizing, geez, you know, maybe I'm achy and I need to work out. So it was like, you know, Anchorman, you know, milk was a bad choice. It was not a good choice for me and 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 so, uh, as we as we end, uh, what about the news? how well, what what struck you in the news this week?
1: I think I was really deliberate this week of keeping the news to a minimum in my house, and I'm, I'm trying to think, what did I even see this week? Uh, maybe Bezos planning to step down in the third quarter. <laughs> And to see how that will look for us going forward as we shop on Prime, I, I, don't, I, I didn't watch very much news. I really, really deliberately took a break this week.
0: Well, you know, I think that you? it raises a point uh, that, we didn't, that we didn't mention during our advice for parents and for kids. And that is, particularly for the younger kids, turn the media off. I mean, there's so much stuff on the media that they don't need to hear uh, and they don't understand um uh it's just not a very helpful thing um i must say i i did watch and listen to a lot of the uh senatorial impeachment trial (laughs) which i i won't i won't
1: won't. how could i forget that maybe i deliberately blocked that i I did watch some of that too (laughs)
0: well it it was historic and i think it was it was um interesting and it's going to be i'm not going to comment on it uh i don't want to get it into politics but I, I, there's so much for example there's so much that i've learned uh about the way our system works and about things that we need to be thinking about and considering and um, modifying and working on um, to heal. Uh, as as uh, difficult as it was to listen to all of the stuff, um, I think you know we need we need to find ways of healing. And and we're going to be coming out with blogs on healing and on. Um, the positive value of conflict if we're transparent and accountable because we learn from it and on how to have civil conversations. Uh and and we're not going to take it from the political standpoint. We're going to be taking it from the standpoint of how we deal with these uh areas in our own families. And maybe that can be a model of how the nation can kind of learn from what we actually can be doing at home.
1: Yeah, it feels like we've gotten to a place where, where we can't tolerate any differences of opinions or, or views, and we really need to, to go back to being able to hear each other and, and and validate each other's position.
0: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing those blogs posted and, and having some conversations about that in the future. So... Uh, That about wraps it up for today. Uh, Everybody stay tuned. We'll have a part two in which we'll be focusing on uh, back-to-school or out-of-school anxieties for college students, college-age students. Um, And um, if you have questions, comments, please let us know. uh, And um, we hope that our conversation will help you have yours. I'm Gene Baresen.
1: And I'm going